0: The only thing I love more than a good story is a good outdoor adventure. And when my functional medicine coaching academy colleague, Kevin Arnold, reached out, he said, hey, I have this fun and inspiring recovery story with an adventure. So what did I say? I said, yes, because we all need some hope. And we are all in some form of recovery. And while Kevin doesn't have thyroid issues, he does have autoimmune issues, specifically MS, which I could see during our FMCA training was starting to have a real impact on his life. So I also had a lot of personal curiosity and concern for Kevin, of course, that made me want to hear how he was doing. And I had no idea the kind of ride that I was in for. So let's dig in. Hello, thyroid drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here with my friend and former Functional Medicine Coaching Academy student, Kevin Arnold. Welcome to the show, Kevin.
1: Hi, Jeannie. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to see you. I'm so excited to catch up and hear your story. My curiosity is like boiling over Um, And of course, you know, you said it's a recovery story. So I got to tell you, I'm, I, I, I'm hoping for a happy ending here. (laughs) Um, But before we dive in, I'll tell everybody a little bit about you. Kevin Arnold is a board certified health and wellness coach, as well as a functional medicine health coach, a certified walls health practitioner a certified yoga teacher, a behavior change specialist, and an all-around jack-of-all-trades. You have a really interesting life, Kevin. I want to touch on that a little bit too. Um, I would say, you know, maybe a non-conventional life. And and I know we're going to hear a lot about your MS journey and your health journey today. So I wondered if maybe before we dig into that, we could Kind of rewind and hear about your life before and leading up to MS.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, first off, thanks for having me on. The journey kind of all started, it's probably been shoot, about seven, eight years. I grew up in New Mexico. I went to the University of New Mexico Uh, once I graduated. I was kind of just ready for change. New Mexico's, uh, while it's the fifth largest state, it's probably one of the least populated states. And it just doesn't have a lot going on. At least that's what I thought at the time being. And I was just ready to get away. Uh, My wife is a soccer player. She was playing at Sacramento State University. So I just was dating her at the time. And I just moved out, went to Sacramento. We eventually found ourselves in Seattle. After we graduated, we found you know, just the kind of typical corporate grind, nine to five, working every day and not really having much value in life. I felt like it was just this constant grind. Um, we were also in Seattle, a very expensive area. So it was really almost impossible to save money as well. And we almost just felt like we weren't living our life to our fullest potential. So we've, been going to an event called Burning Man for many years now and we had a bunch of Australians who were part of our camp and they all one year came through on their way to the playa which is where Burning Man is and they were, kind of were asking us questions they're kind of looking around our apartment it wasn't very big and they were just like what do you guys like how much do you guys make how much do you guys pay they're just kind of taking a deep dive into the financials of just most early graduate, hardworking Americans that aren't really doing their the best, but trying their best. And then he kind of just broke it down like you could come out to Australia, live with us and you would make way more money and you would live in my house. And so we looked into it and we were lucky enough that we were young enough we could get work visas. So we just we literally found this out and it was like this new motivation we literally sold almost everything we owned to make this happen and we drove back we moved out to seattle right in the biggest u-haul they rent you and then we drove back to new mexico before the trip in basically our cars without anything just clothes and personal items so once we did that we left on a plane we went to australia we got to australia and we were kind of finding ourselves we were living with our buddies and we're having a good time and all but we still were kind of like well we're just kind of doing the same thing here we're working and then we're just kind of at the house watching netflix and paying rent and i didn't feel like it was really anything much different so and we bought this little pink scooter and we would the both of us would drive all around the coast on the scooter and we just saw all these people in their vans just hanging out we just had this epiphany we're like we need a van like what are we doing so we went it was pretty hilarious actually like within the next week we bought a van it was about 500 us to buy this van it wasn't the nicest van as you could imagine for 500 bucks we drove it back to our buddy's house and they were all laughing at us giving us a hard time They're like what that's kind of where the van kooks um that's my a business, an online business I've been running for years where we work on van conversions with other people. But that's where the van kooks started. These Aussie guys were giving us such a hard time calling us the van kooks, telling us that our van was going to break down, you know, in a day. It actually ended up making it a whole year. We drove that van around the entire country almost. And we just had the time of our lives. And it was the first time ever we had just felt free, just we were still working, but we were living in the van. And the cool thing about Australia was we were making like 30 bucks an hour just being, I was a bar back, my wife was a bartender and we were making really good money just doing kind of ordinary jobs. So we weren't paying rent, we were really just living cheap. And eventually when our year came to an end, we decided we weren't ready to stop so we sold the van in Australia funny thing is once we sold the van it was kind of at the time where everyone's coming in so we were able to sell this $500 van for $3,000 but we did upgrade it we put solar panels a bed I mean we made it a home and so we sold that we moved to New Zealand we did the same thing until we eventually just kind of got tired of the weather, the New Zealand weather can be pretty dreary and just being in a small van um, for multiple weeks kind of started getting old. So we packed up, sold that van, came back here um, and then we got back and we were really kind of wondering, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? We still had a bunch of money saved up and we were kind of thinking like, well, we could get an apartment and then first last month's rent plus Deposit plus all that. It ended up being, well, that's almost as much as just us buying another van. So we bought a van, a Sprinter van this time, and that was back in 2017. Okay. When van life wasn't really a thing, I think we bought the van for $10,000 and we built it all out ourselves. And yeah, we just hit the road. I did a bunch of video work at the time, and we traveled all throughout the United States, building our Van Cooks uh, YouTube channel and website. And yeah, we just kind of were just your typical van life nomads, traveling around, and not a care in the world—at least at those in those days. And yeah, that was kind of the—that's kind of what got me to the point and then transitioning into that. that, Do you want me just to go ahead and keep going into just?
0: Sure. Yeah. I I'll just really quickly jump in and say that I love that story. And I think, you know, we have it so backwards. I feel like where we have this idea that we go to school, go to school, finish school, work, 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 you know, save squirrel away money until someday you know, this—it's always a this someday I'm going to retire, and then I'll get to have my adventures and my travels and live my life. And I think we have that backwards. You know, we got to have those adventures when we're young. And I know my husband and I certainly did a lot of that—a lot of couch surfing, a lot of <laughs> nomading. We didn't buy our first home until we were in our mid 30s. And um, but so I love that story. And I think you—you're surfers, right?
1: Yeah, I my wife doesn't. I picked up surfing while we were in. I picked up surfing when I was in New Zealand. I actually went to New Zealand before all this. I did a study abroad when I was in college for a couple of years in New Zealand. That's kind of what drew us to the land down under yeah. as well as the Australians. But yeah, as far as adventure goes, you're totally right. Um, we have a saying on the Van Cooke's channel. It's adventure before dementia. And it's so true because even as I get older, I'm 38 now and I, I'm feeling it, you know, you know, we do stuff. I went snowboarding actually in Santa Fe the other day and I was pretty, pretty sore after, but it's totally right because even here I have, you know, with like um, in-laws, I see them, they're retired, but they're not able to climb mountains, go surfing, go snowboarding it's kind of like that daily grind almost wore them out to the point where just, you know, kind of being on the couch is, is what we now call retirement. So we even use the term free tired or pre-tired. We were (laughs) pre-tired during that realm. And I think it's such a great concept because you do that, you, you get it all out of your system. Right. And then, yeah. It's just a, I don't know. I really recommend a lot of people if they don't really know where they're going, just get in your car and drive, right? You never yeah. know what you just might find. So,
0: yeah, see the world, have some experiences, be in your young body and use it and go mm-hmm. play. Absolutely. I mean, looking back, you know, at 47, which I know is relatively still pretty young. You you know, you're going to have some regrets in life, but one thing I know I will never regret are all the adventures that my husband and I had. And we kind of, I mean, for a long time, we had a similarly unconventional life because he was a contract helicopter pilot. So we got to move and live all over the West Coast, Hawaii. We did four years in Alaska, heli ski contracts. I was a sea kayaking guide, did a ton of snowboarding backcountry snowboarding skiing like tons of outdoor adventures we'd have a few months off a year when we lived in Alaska because it was too dark and cold to work there's no tourism so we'd go down to Costa Rica for a month or Mexico for a month and just surf for a while and so I totally get it and yeah for any young people listening like if you're feeling like gosh I just want to try something different and this it feels too soon to be locked into this very conventional you know nine to five lifestyle listen to those instincts you know because youth is a it's fleeting Mm -hmm. it's fleeting Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah anyway okay so that was fun but I I'd love to um hear your MS story. And maybe maybe one more question before we get into your story. Obviously, this is a thyroid audience. And many of the listeners probably don't know a whole lot about MS. Other than maybe that it is another autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's or Graves, which many of us in this thyroid community are familiar with. Can you just maybe give us the basics of like what MS is and what it does to the body before we get into your story?
1: Yeah, so multiple sclerosis is a um, neurodegenerative um, disease, specifically targeting central nervous system. Uh, it, it shows up in a large variety of symptoms, but what essentially is happening is the immune system, it's autoimmune, right? So it's, it's, it's attacking its own self, but where the immune system attacks, whereas thyroid, right, we're getting it on our thyroid gland. Multiple sclerosis is all happening on the myelin sheath of the nerves. So the nerves are basically getting the the immune system for some reason is attacking those myelin sheaths, which is like the insulation on the nerve. So thinking of it as insulation on a wire, right? If we had a wire and all those um, stranded wires are kind of just detached and barely attached, that's essentially what happens. So thinking of these nerves as once they get degenerated, The signal is slower and it can manifest in a a variety of different ways. Um, Optic neuritis is the biggest one, which is kind of a degeneration of the optic nerve. And it causes blindness, um, either temporary or permanent. People also have issues with a large variety of movement. Um, Heat can be a big factor in multiple sclerosis. So, it's a very complex um, problem. Everyone kind of manifests symptoms differently with multiple sclerosis. So, it's really tricky to kind of pinpoint exactly how it affects everyone. But for the most part, a large variety of people have their first um, onset of multiple sclerosis through what we call optic neuritis. So, that is when you start to, the nerve starts to be attacked by the nervous system.
0: Okay. So people typically notice changes in their vision first.
1: Yes. Vision or a lot of it will be like gait or balance or even um, uh, vertigo kind of feeling as well.
0: Mm. Okay. And I know, yeah, I think that's sort of what I have observed in the people I've known with MS is it really depends on the individual, how it manifests, But it can also be very serious and debilitating. I know um, Terry Walls, who I had on my former podcast years ago, was in a wheelchair for quite a while with
1: MS. Yeah, no, it. I mean, yeah, if you're thinking of, a neurodegenerative brain condition, right? If those myelin sheaths happen to be in areas of function for movement, right? You're starting to strip those nerves down and then your body's having a hard time communicating, like move your legs or move your arms. So people do become pretty... There, There is a probability of higher um, disability with multiple sclerosis. That's when we get more into... Um, primary progressive i have what we call relapsing remitting but lots of times people transition from rrms to ppms yeah it can just be a very challenging very scary um condition that i don't think there's a, a lot of people have ms but there's not really a lot of awareness around what it actually is
0: yeah are there any known um, causes or is it kind of just like autoimmunity where they're sort of like, we don't know, environmental toxins, stress, et cetera?
1: Yeah, it seems like it's just a large, yeah, no one really knows exactly. Everyone's kind of different, but yeah, it's stress, uh, a lot of gut just dis- imbalances, right? We get leaky gut, we leads to molecular mimicry, all those um, proteins in the bloodstream, start to essentially confuse the immune system that can be one way we really believe i got mine through um a virus through i was actually in bend oregon surfing the river they have like a river wave and it was a guy even came up to us that day and said man the water's really low quality you guys shouldn't even be here and we were like how do you know (laughs) and he's like you can see there's like all this foam, and sometimes there's agricultural runoff, and and that same day I had an injury to my ear. The board popped up, hit me in the ear, and then that's kind of when it all started. So it's kind of interesting how it happened for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Maybe like you had that specific triggering event. Maybe it's it's so hard with these yeah. ever know, but yeah, I know a lot of that we are familiar with in this community. And and for the listeners, like that phenomenon of intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut, you know, food particles escaping the intestinal wall, getting into the, the body where they shouldn't be triggering this autoimmune response. I mean, that's how autoimmune thyroid disease works. Yeah, a lot of the same kind of mechanisms amongst a lot of these autoimmune diseases and they can manifest in different ways. So yeah. Wow. Thank you for clarifying that for us. So, okay. My, my curiosity can't take it anymore. And, and I, I told you, I think I'm really hoping for a happy ending here. So my fingers are crossed that this story's going to have one. Cause I know this has been a life-changing diagnosis for you as it is for anyone, um, so let's hear about your autoimmune recovery story.
1: Yeah, so um, it all kind of started. Like I said, we were we were in Bend, Oregon. It's a beautiful place. Uh, they have a little wave that they've made a, a a river that they've somehow formed what they call a standing wave on. And we were there, and you can surf on it. You kind of just cut back and forth. It's nothing too crazy. It doesn't. Sound, it, it's not as crazy as it sounds, I guess, to the listeners. It's kind of this. It's only about waist high. But yeah, I had this issue. I fell. The surfboard popped up. It popped me in the right ear, and I was pretty much done after that. It got super swollen and black and blue, and I didn't really think anything of it. And it was pretty bad for. Couple weeks, and then I started waking up, and I was just having the hardest time seeing out of my right eye. And then every day, it was progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And when you're on the road, it's really difficult to get health care. I mean, I have health insurance, but that's tip that's technically emergency care outside of your state. And I'm based in New Mexico, so I ended up just get it. Just got so bad. Um, and the crazy thing was I had to fly to New Mexico anyways to shoot a music video for uh, a, a band I was doing a project with. And I, I, by the time I got in, it was so bad. I couldn't see anything. I, would just, I had to show up to this music video shoot. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. I was very stressed out. But I just ended up putting on an eye patch. And I'm sitting here going oh man, these guys are thinking like we're paying this guy with the eye patch to like film our music video. And it was just super stressful. I got to the point where I just had to like hire on someone else and bring them in. And I just kind of sat back in the background. And it's really frustrating. You're going through these issues and you're seeing, I would just go to the emergency room and there'd be instances where they would be telling me, well, we can't get you an MRI because it's not really an emergency. And I'm sitting here listening to this and I I finally just told one of the doctors, I said, if you woke up and you couldn't see out of your eye and it was black and you just had this little speck of light coming through it, is that an emergency or is that something that you would just shrug off? And it was almost like I had to put this situation in her so she could almost have some compassion Mm -hmm. She kind of sat there and she goes, you know, you're right, this is an emergency. And finally, I get an MRI. (laughs) They do the MRI took weeks. By the time I get the results back, it was almost too late. You know, the inflammation and the attack had already happened. A lot of times they give people like steroid injections, which can help. Mm -hmm. But they just waited so long with me, it was completely degenerated and the, the damage had been done is what they say. And then all they really tell you when you get multiple sclerosis or any neuro neuro, you know, brain, anything um, at the neurologist, me and my wife have a term we like to use that the neurologist loves to do. It's called diagnose and adios. So they basically <laughs> just say, Hey, you have multiple sclerosis. And then they put together this packet of like, pick a card, any card, they pull out all the brochures of the drugs to take. And we just weren't okay with that. That was just something that was almost like, are you kidding me? There's like nothing else that I can do. And they're like, no, you have to take the drugs or you're, you know, it's just going to get worse. And so it was really crazy because what ended up happening is I just said no to this neurologist he would even call my cell phone and be like hey you need to get on these drugs or you're going to be in a wheelchair and i'm like is this even legal for you to like call me with like i don't know i just thought it was so weird to just be almost like and then we even got to the point where we just stopped seeing each other i basically just said you what am i doing here i come in here you tap my elbow with your thing you tap my knee you make me follow a light and then you just say all right which one do you want yeah which Which, drug do you want? which drug do you want so
0: well and the diagnosis kevin that's huge like that must have did that just feel like whoa what yeah i'm so shocked because i know if that were me i would have thought oh i have a head injury that's affecting my vision or i just need to you know yeah i never have thought oh, I have MS now. Like, were you so shocked?
1: I was and I wasn't because some doctors were sending me around. They thought I had something called a pituitary tumor, which would swell and cause the optic nerve to get squeezed.
0: Okay.
1: And they said that's something that can be easily removed. And I'm like, easily removed? This is like brain surgery, you know? So I was almost more afraid of having that and then as I look through Healthline and all the, you know, what we call doom scrolling, you're looking and you're like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. But a lot of times it was like optic neuritis was coming up a lot. Multiple sclerosis was coming up a lot. And I almost just came to my own conclusion that like, okay. this is what it has to be because I just didn't, because the, the tumor came with like pressure and pain. I didn't really have pain. I just had like, no vision. I had a little bit of pain, but yeah, no, it was pretty intense. I was definitely probably the lowest point of my life, right? You're coming off this van adventure. You're having the best time ever. You're surfing these waves in Oregon. And then all of a sudden you're in a hospital in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they're telling you have multiple sclerosis. I mean, that was within like two weeks time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a definite heavy thing. Um, family, friends, everyone was just kind of like, what? What do you do now? And some people didn't really think it was that serious. And I remember everyone finally realized it was serious as we went to this. I, I got invited to a birthday party with a bunch of the family members. I was so blind at this point. I got into the van and I introduced myself to my uncle my wife's uncle who I've seen thousands of times because I couldn't even see I couldn't even make out what I was looking at
0: wow
1: yeah and that was when everyone was like what
0: Scary, Kevin yeah yeah
1: so once we left the neurologist's office my wife um is probably the reason why I'm still doing so good is she was just like not not having it she was like no way This is this, there's got to be something different. We found Dr. Wall's TED Talk. um, And that was kind of the first little seed of hope. And I think when you're dealing with any condition, I think the most powerful medicine is just hope and seeing someone else in your shoes have success or just feeling better, right? So you're almost like all the hope I had was these fake pamphlets of people playing soccer and doing all this stuff. And you're looking at these, like these people don't have multiple sclerosis. This is like the dumbest pamphlet ever. (laughs) And then you see someone like Dr. Walls and you see her being in this tilt recline wheelchair. And then you see her riding her bike and just being on stage and literally looking 10 years younger, Mm -hmm. maybe 20 years younger. And you're sitting here going, okay, so we bought the book. We read the book. Uh, crazy thing was before all this, we were kind of, you know, on this vegan, vegetarian train. Dr. Walls is all about this modified paleo diet.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's all we had to hear. We read the book. We I think we went sh- sh- full steam ahead. I think while I was even eating liver, which is like a huge part of the Walls Protocols organ meats mm-hmm. simply just because they're so nutrient dense. And yeah, we just jumped full speed ahead on the protocol, jumped on the protocol. And I would say, you know, this stuff isn't instant. You don't just start a diet, a a therapeutic diet and feel results instantly. But I definitely would say within like six months, I was definitely feeling a a thousand times better.
0: Nice. Okay. So just to clarify for the listeners, the book was The Wall's Protocol. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Walls Protocol—a um, radical approach to autoimmune diseases, or something like that.
0: Yeah, by Doctor Terry Walls, and she's she's an MD who has a clinic in Iowa, right? And she had multiple sclerosis, was in a wheelchair, as we mentioned, and she has this clinic where she treats people. And she's what's really awesome about her she's she is collecting the scientific evidence that we need for these treatment options to become <clears throat> part of the dialogue that happens in the doctor's office finally, which is long, yeah. long but this it's working, it is working. It worked for her and it's worked for so many of her patients, not just for MS, but for other types of autoimmunity as well. So the walls protocol, I would put it in that pile of wonderful therapeutic dietary options right up there with paleo the autoimmune protocol the walls protocol is in there yeah
1: yeah no totally and she's got a protocol there's multiple levels it all kind of is based off of supporting the mitochondria um, we focus on phytonutrients Um, you know it actually gets broken down into nine cups of vegetables a day as well as protein so We focus on sulfur-rich vegetables, which are onions, mushrooms, garlic, those kind of support detoxification pathways, Uh, leafy green vegetables, right? Uh, I always tell everyone at all of our presentations, if you want to know what's in leafy green vegetables, you just think of the acronym, get your greens back. So B, A, C, and K, so high in those vitamins as well as manganese manganese and other things and then you also bring in the colors so colors just bring in that rich phytonutrient spectrum we get things like anthocyanins and um, antioxidants and all those powerful chemicals that help reduce that cellular stress so you're all if you're having multiple sclerosis or any autoimmune disease you're 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 under a lot of cellular stress phytonutrients are going to kind of help refuse the cellular stress, stress right when the cells are working better they're just less stress. So when the, when everything's kind of in harmony, right, that's what you want to get back to. So the diet is definitely not uh, an easy diet to follow. You do get used to it. And then you can kind of start to taper back. But I had followed this diet really, really, really hard, hard for, I would say about two years, I was, you know, eating the nine cups of vegetables. Craziest thing is, it's weird because it's almost like you eat more vegetables, you eat more food. And somehow I was like, I wasn't intending to lose weight through all this, but I was losing a lot of weight. I think all that fiber was just getting a lot of t- toxins out of my body. So mm. somehow I was eating the most food I've ever almost eaten and I was losing weight. But the calories, right, they were, it was this information. I was kind of just eating. I wouldn't say I had a bad diet, but I definitely was eating consuming i would definitely say i was consuming a lot of inflammatory seed oils before this whole entire journey took off Mm -hmm. so part of um terry's process and i didn't really know this until i went back and trained with her but a big part of the healing journey is what we like to call is the the hero's journey i went on this hero's journey right i i actually was like not going to let this MS stop me. So it actually kind of gave me more. I had all this fear and all these doubts before multiple sclerosis. I think we all do. And then once you get hit with like a heavy diagnosis, you're suddenly like, what was I like so worried about? Like what you almost can think in your head is never really going to happen. Right. We like to tell our clients, if you think it and it happens, you experience it twice. So mm-hmm. I was. I was almost had more motivation coming out of this. Uh, We started converting the vans and building them and selling them. And then also we just had to almost just technically remove ourselves kind of from society, right? We would just go out in the van, spend a lot of time because we can eat the best food. uh, We can follow the best protocols, but I, I really started to learn if mentally I'm not aligned with, a lot of stuff that's, you know, maybe I'm um, just stressing about things that aren't happening, living in the past, living in the future, right? Never really living in the present. So that's where a lot of my yoga training came in. thank God for all of the um, online training opportunities that have popped up through the last few years. So yeah, the, it, it almost shifted from, yeah, we need to eat clean, but we also need to live clean and think clean and... Mm-hmm. And it, 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 this became this, almost this hero's journey. Like we, we went off, we left, we kind of collected ourselves. My wife went back to school. She went to Maryland University of Integrative Health. She got her master's in integrated health and master's of nutrition. And then I went to FMCA where I met you. And that was kind of what this journey became. It became a, not so much a, let's help ourselves. Let's also help others so Mm -hmm. part of the hero's journey right is you go out and you find the boon like you make this discovery that you that you want to collectively bring back to society so for that for us that was just furthering our careers um so yeah i got the fmca and then through fmca once i finished that i was actually able to work directly and train with dr walls as a Walls certified health practitioner And that was really cool, cool to meet her. I think the first thing I said to her was thank you for everything you've done because without you, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now. Mm. And it's just kind of gratitude, right? At the end of the day, like I don't want to have multiple sclerosis, but I am actually thankful for the journey that it put me through to get me here. And it completely changed my life trajectory. If I hadn't had this, I honestly... I think it's for the best because I honestly don't know what I would be doing. I think it gave me so much more meaning and purpose moving forward where I was just kind of lacking that meaning and purpose. I thought I had a lot of meaning and purpose through my travels and my van. But deep down inside, I think just with multiple sclerosis and helping other people, that has just been so much more fulfilling than I could have ever imagined.
0: Absolutely. Amen, Kevin. What a great story. And I can relate to so much of that. I know so many of us, you know, in the FMCA program and so many other people I know, you know, just other health coaches and online friends who are in this space are all there with uh, different versions of a similar hero's journey. And the wound can become the the purpose, the, the drive, the sense of, I I have to do something about this. And not only was I able to reclaim my health, but now I have to help others so that they don't go through what I went through so that they don't feel as alone and scared as I did. And so many of those stories also have that moment, I think in the doctor's office where we're like, forget this, I'm done. No, (laughs) I'm not okay with this. Like there's gotta be a better way. There and there, you know, there is, and it's really one of my favorite things about functional medicine and our training as functional medicine health coaches is that's what we do. We bring in the food and lifestyle components. Hey, thyroid drivers, Jenny here. I just want to pop in with a real quick message. If you're listening to today's show and thinking, I want to get started with this. I want to feel better. I need support. And that is my missing piece. I've got good news for you. I have created the group health coaching membership for thyroid thrivers, just like you. It's called the Thrivers Club. And you can learn more about it at hypothyroidchef.com slash membership. When you become a Thrivers Club member, you get access to me, your personal on-demand health and cooking coach, a full recipe library of thyroid-friendly recipes, including gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, and AIP recipes. You get access to an amazing, positive, healing-focused community of other thyroid thrivers who get it and who know what it's like to face the unique challenges that we face. You also get access to loads of expert resources created not just by me, but by other thyroid experts, doctors, nutritionists, all kinds of brilliant minds in the thyroid space. You also get access to monthly workshops and live coaching calls. And one of the best parts about the Thrivers Club and really where the results happen for people is that you get access as a member to our monthly wellness challenges. These are different every month. We cover a different theme each month. So our workshop will be about a different theme. Our wellness challenge will be kind of centered around a different theme. And those wellness challenges just provide extra inspiration and motivation to make those small but mighty steps that get us where we want to be on our healing journey. Let's find out what happens when you have that support that you need. I'd love to welcome you to the Thrivers Club. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to hypothyroidchef.com membership. So check out the Thrivers Club today. Okay, back to the show. That's what we do. We bring in the food and lifestyle component that Doctors honestly just don't have the a lot of time to walk patients through so much of that. And there also is a lack of training. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get a lot of nutrition training and things like that. So
1: yeah, no, I mean, even with Hashimoto's, my wife has Hashimoto's, and it was the same thing. It was like, <laughs> like, what you fixed yourself? Like, I, I don't believe it, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. So weird. Because even like she, they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant and all these things. And now she's like four months pregnant. And the doctors are just like, what? Like
0: Congratulations. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah
1: thank Heaven you. so. Your
0: dad.
1: I think when you hear these things like birds, right, they can almost put a spell on us, right? It's all in here, right? It's no one else is going to, there'll be help along the way from the right people but most of the work is going to be done within yourself, right? If you think you can't believe you can and you're halfway there is what I like to say.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. So much of the journey happens between our ears. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, you know, the hero's journey. So this is like this literary framework, right? It's like where your, your life is like a, a blockbuster movie. And this is created by a writer by the name of Joseph Campbell. And it starts with, you know, somebody, a hero, you, me, the listener in the normal world, we're thrown into challenges. And there's this call to a journey of self discovery. And on that journey, we inevitably come up against obstacles, enemies, there's all these like steps, right? We approach the inmost cave, we go through this ordeal, it's like the big climax, right? And ultimately, we, we return from the journey with the elixir. I guess that's my question for you. What, when you think about the elixir, and I know you kind of, you know, hinted at this, in your own words, what is the elixir that you returned from this chapter of your journey with, would you say?
1: I think a lot of it is the food and the just the overall healing properties of eating better and also removing a lot of stuff that's harming us. But I honestly think the main thing, and this is a lot of what where my yoga teaching training came through big for me is a lot of it is the only limiting belief we have is the belief that we are limited. And I think Just knowing that, you know, we're going to get dealt bad cards, but it's how we label the card, right? If it's good, if it's bad, it's kind of all in here. We need to just take it as it is and then understand how we can move forward. So a lot of it for me was mindset. I think I was just always in this kind of scarcity mentality. And I I just thought something terrible was going to happen to me after the diagnosis. And it took a long time for me to break free of just kind of being the victim almost to just Mm -hmm. being uh, just into being more the passenger and just being okay with what's happening, watching the view roll by, not really labeling or thinking too much about anything. I think the thinking mind can get us into a lot of trouble. A lot of it is just just knowing it, you can do it. Who gave me the most hope actually was a health coach. It, her name was Beth Schultz. She actually works with Terry Walls now. It's so random. I met her before all this, and now she's like Terry Walls' is like main health coach. But that was the first person I met in person who was a health coach, and she had gone through multiple sclerosis. And I think it's just that you just need that like hope. You got to see someone else doing it, and you just got to fight the good fight. Knowing that everything is going to work out because I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I got on this diet and I felt better instantly. There's definitely a rocky road. It took, I would say it probably took about two years until where I am now. I haven't had, um, I've been with, I've had multiple sclerosis for almost six years and I haven't had symptoms for about four of those years. Wow. The health coach was the one who, out of all these people, I paid all this money, did all these tests, and all I had to do was sit in front of someone who's been in my shoes and I was like, I got this. You know, had told me I was doing all the right things and I think we're so hard on ourselves. I definitely was very hard on myself and I think just being okay with what it is, finding contentment in every situation and I I think a lot of my personal journey was all really stress related and once I kind of discovered that, I don't know I had like huge breakthroughs. So stress, eating well, taking care of yourself and also just knowing that everything usually works out right I mean we have super lows and big highs that's just how life goes but we all collectively go through the same thing and just understanding that we can do it and just you know believe you can and you are halfway there is what I always like to say.
0: Yes. I I couldn't agree more and thank you for sharing that and and just for you know sharing your personal story just look this is real life. We all have I always think of the uh, everyone's pushing like this wheelbarrow around. That's got challenges in it, right? We all have that. It doesn't matter how privileged you are, how you grew up everybody's got their wheelbarrow, right? And how are we going to handle pushing that around? What happens between our ears? Are we going to keep our bodies strong? Are we going to keep our minds strong? Are we going to seek out those, the sources of hope are so huge for us on this healing journey because it's so easy. And I think it's just human. It's, It's not something worth criticizing ourselves for or being harsh on ourselves about look this is human nature we just have to get to know ourselves get to know the landscape of our minds so we can master that part of it and come at this from a place of self-love and acceptance and hope and positivity not toxic positivity but like if we don't have that hope Or if we're thinking about this, I think in a way, like here's an example. This is just like what was kind of going through my mind when you were sharing all that was it's so easy on like the thyroid journey. And we can just say the autoimmune journey too, to want like, just tell me what to eat. I get that all the time as hypothyroid, Jeff, just tell me what to eat. And there's this hyper focus on that. It's going to be like a diet, that you do that's going to fix everything? Or what supplements do you take? You know, and hey, I love my supplements. I am grateful every day for my supplements. I think of them as my little superheroes that go in my body and like do all this good work in there, right? But it isn't just, it doesn't come in a bottle. It doesn't come in one book. It's not one diet. It's the whole enchilada. Mm -hmm. It's the whole thing. It's how we live our lives. It's how our relationships are. It's the thoughts we think. It's how we feel about ourselves. It's our attitudes and perspectives and mindset about the journey and that this happened to me. But I also have the power to write my own story. And I also have the power to choose to feed myself not just the best food and the best supplements and and i think in many cases yes optimal medication is appropriate for a lot of us especially with thyroid i don't know much about ms medication but you know for a lot of us as thyroid patients that part's mm-hmm. required but also feeding ourselves the information the success stories the the sources of hope and positivity that give us the will to keep going and to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And what we get is not a quick fix. And I, Hey, I wish that was out there. I wish I could just wave a magic wand for everybody and say, here's a formula. It's on my freebie one sheet that, you know, just follow (laughs) these five steps and you'll be fixed. It does not work that way. This is a lifelong endeavor, but the gift of that is, once you really like get into that and embrace it and you're in it and you're like, okay, I kind of, I'm starting to get this and I'm starting to feel better even just by changing the way I think, even just by starting a journal practice or a meditation practice or a yoga practice or whatever it is. And I'm thinking about the foods I eat. How are they nourishing my body or how are they, not nourishing my body, you know, and it's, a, it's such a mindset and perspective shift, and a it's a whole life shift, really. That ultimately is a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift, and we learn things maybe sooner than we wish we would have had to. We, you know, it is hard sometimes to go to a party or a restaurant and be like, "Wow, there's a lot here that I just." I know I can't have unless I, you know, I'm okay with feeling bad mm-hmm. afterwards, paying the consequences. I mean, there there are sacrifices and I don't think either of us, Kevin, would uh, ignore those sacrifices that come with it. But the the things that we've learned about our bodies and about true health and what it really takes to be healthy and stay healthy is... I, it's priceless. Yeah, I thank you. I'm obviously inspired by your story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, the food...
0: and I, I know the, you know, it's so wonderful for the listeners to have these stories of hope too. So, thank you.
1: Yeah. And going back, like the food is very important. I think that was my first step. I think I worked on cleaning up the gut. I was definitely having, you know, brain fog and gut brain issues, and that almost helped clear the mind a little more to go to the next step. I was villainizing a bunch of foods, but that was early on, and now I'm a little more open. I used to have this crazy strict diet, but I think once we get the gut healthy, right, we can start to reintroduce the foods and just see how they make mm-hmm. us feel. But when you mentioned the wheelbarrow, it's really funny because I, it's like an old – zen like proverb it talks about this buddhist monk he has to do all this work they make him move it here and they can move it there and they say in the end you know pushing the wheelbarrow is easy but thinking about pushing the wheelbarrow now that's hard so
0: that i love that
1: yeah that's a huge i say that a lot at yoga i say coming to yoga and doing yoga is easy but sitting at home and thinking about whether or not you're going to show up that's pretty difficult so Give yourself a little pat on the back. You you made it.
0: Yeah, getting yourself to the the yoga class or the workout or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting yourself to the grocery store to buy all the veggies and, and mm-hmm. chopping them up and all that, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, in reality, it's not really hard. And I've found so much peace and solace in prepping food. Uh, it's kind of like the little meditation right for most of us who really connect to our food we actually really enjoy dicing and slicing onions (laughs) after a certain point
0: yeah absolutely oh I so agree as a chef I'll never forget I did a apprenticeship with a a wonderful chef in Seattle Chris Keff who's the chef at Flying Fish you might know that restaurant haven't been in Seattle and she's a Seattle icon and A hero of mine. And I remember I was sitting with her one day we were, we had just like worked a shift and, and she, I was kind of interviewing her like, what do you tell me what you love most about food? And she said, the comfort of cooking. It was kind of an epiphany for me because you think of cooking as work. And that's something I hear all the time from my audience too. Well, give me some recipes for somebody like me who hates to cook. I don't like to cook. I don't like to chop. I don't want to do dishes. I just don't want to do all that. And well, it's like, sure, I can. Here's some easy, low maintenance, simple recipes. And I think we have to also meet ourselves where we are and make it doable for us in the long term. I think it's sort of the ultimate goal to make peace with those things like doing the chopping and doing the dishes and preparing the food. It's 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 a ritual, for me now. And I absolutely feel that like the comfort of cooking, the comfort of here I am in this moment, preparing a meal to nourish myself, my son, my husband, you know, the dishes are part of that.
1: I don't have
0: to be thinking about other things. I can just be in this moment. I, I completely think differently about it now.
1: Yeah. It's also like, Uh, We have the same problem and we always kind of come back to the same thing is, you know, we get to cook with all these vegetables. Like if you just think back to even our grandparents, our ancestors, not even far ago, getting food was a blessing and it was very hard. Now Mm -hmm. we just get to eat cacao from Peru and all, you know. goji berries and it's just all right there a half mile down the road for most people and i mean we get to do that and you know if you dive into history humans struggled for a long time just to get meal on the tape on the table and now you know we just get to go open up our wallets buy the food and bring it home it's so much it's it it's a blessing and if we start to think of everything of life as more of a blessing than a curse i think that's just the mindset that kind of helps healing too as well. You gotta have this, you gotta be almost living in the moment in positivity, because if you're negative, it's just gonna kind of bring us all down.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's one thing we learned in our FMCA training is the power of, you know, positive psychology. And I especially like one of the simplest takeaways, something people could do right now, just practicing gratitude and that's a great example yeah gratitude for how easy it is to get food i yeah. mean it's incredibly easy but of course everything you know it's relative right and we live yeah. in a time where it's like oh it just takes two clicks to do this thing but two clicks why not one you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> i mean we're so we live in a, a time of extreme convenience but oh my gosh obviously you and i we could go on and on i have so enjoyed talking to you, Kevin, and all your nuggets of wisdom that you've shared with us today and your story. Before we wrap it up, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're up to now.
1: Yeah, so thanks. Uh, now, my wife and me, we have a practice we call it the source, uh, the source functional nutrition. Source is kind of around getting to the source or the root cause, right? So, a lot of times we think of medicine as treating symptoms, whereas we're kind of functional nutrition, functional medicine is the the root cause. So we see patients, we do one-on-one, but where we really thrive is in the group settings. And um, I always thought I would be working with, you know, people with autoimmune conditions and this and that. And I always kept myself very open and where we found ourselves having the most impact now is with um, cancer Groups, So we teach group nutrition classes online and here in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico at the New Mexico Cancer Center. Um, And that's just the same thing. It's just kind of giving other people hope. They're getting zero help from a lot of their doctors on the nutrition route. They honestly really don't know much. So that's kind of why they brought us in. They offer it free to anyone who wants to show up. So, if you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you want to swing by, you can check out our website, www.sourcef as in frank and as in nancy.com, and you can find our schedule there. But yeah, I think we do these group programs. I never thought I'd be running all these group programs, but I actually really love it. So, I found that you can reach a lot more people in a shorter amount of time, and it's really cool. We just finished our first year. And some of these people came in the first day and they were like, oh, you guys are going to be making food. Shoot, we just ate at McDonald's. Now they're like sending us pictures of the recipes they make. We recently walked them through gratitude journaling and tiny habits. And it's just been cool to see the impact of just this one class once a week and the impact it's had on people and just the overall community. So.
0: Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, the power of the group is amazing. I'm, I totally share your passion there. And that's, I started a group health coaching community called the Thrivers Club in 2023. We were just coming up on our one year birthday. And it's just been amazing. You know, I'm there to facilitate to create space and to also educate and inspire and like, create opportunities for people to do the work and here's the recipes and here's a, we're going to do a wellness challenge together and all of that. But what gives me the most incredible warm fuzzies in the, about the Thrivers Club is the way all the other members are encouraging one another and lifting each other up and cheering each other on. It's, it's so incredibly powerful. It's scientifically proven the statistics about these like group health coaching communities are incredibly positive and powerful. So that's awesome. Important work Um, source functional nutrition at sourcefn.com. I'll put that uh, those links in the show notes as well. And are you, where are you most active on socials, Kevin?
1: I guess Instagram would be the most. Okay. It's it's source underscore functional underscore nutrition. Okay. We have been talking for starting a new YouTube channel up as well, but we're kind of in this weird in-between time. We also recently bought a 5-acre property that we're trying to create that as our new home. So we're kind of in this a lot a lot's going on right now, but I do the best when we have tons going on. When nothing's going on, I'm kind of stagnant. So I'm enjoying it.
0: Fun. Well, I thank you. I got my happy ending. You know, not only did you figure out how to thrive with an MS diagnosis four out of the last six years, you've been symptom-free. It's absolutely incredible. You also have a new baby on the way. So huge congrats for that. You've got some property and, and I see lots of seeds being planted already for a wonderful life. So thank you for giving me the happy ending I was hoping for. And for sharing that with all of us today. So thank you again, Kevin. I really appreciate you being here with us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And for the listeners, if you've enjoyed the show today, please don't forget to like subscribe and leave a review. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the thyroid healthy bites podcast. I'm Jenny Mahar, wishing you the best of health. See you next time.